to challenge you. Are you guys up for a challenge early in the morning? Courtney, are you ready? Listen, I feel like he says right now to you, hey, don't make Will drag you into the throne room today. How about that? Turn to your neighbor, say, Will ain't going to drag you today. 
I want us to do this chorus again, and I want you to shout it like you know Jesus rose from the dead for you. Do you know Jesus rose from the dead for you? I said, do you know Jesus rose from the dead for you? Come on, he is worthy of your worship. He's worthy of your worship, whether you had decaf today or regular today, whether it's 20 degrees or 80 degrees. My parents are still in Florida soaking up the sun. It doesn't matter where you are. Jesus is worthy. Come on, I want you to lift up your voice to him and praise him and worship him. I just feel like he wants to challenge you with or without lyrics on a screen. Go ahead right now. Just lift up your praises to him. Lift up your hands to him. Jesus, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. We declare what we know to be true, that you are God, that you are worthy of our worship, Lord. We are here today to give you praise. We're here today to encounter you, Lord. psalm that says sing a new song to the Lord this morning. There are angels literally surrounding this place. I could feel it. It's one of those times where you know you're almost scared to do anything. It just means that the spirit is here. All the angels they surround us as they worship. All the angels they surround us as they sing. All creation joins us in this simple chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. All the angels, they surround us as they worship. All the angels, they surround us as they sing. All creation joins us in this simple chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the Lamb. We lay down our burdens, we lay down our pride. 
of the King. Just worship Him. I see the walls are crumbling. I see the walls are crumbling. The walls of Jericho come down. Oh, I see the walls are crumbling. I see the walls are crumbling. The walls of Jericho come down. step and I know it's like we're supposed to do this and this and then this happens and God I feel like he wants to heal supernaturally this morning and one of the miracles that we've been believing for is going to happen today and I believe it with all of me I feel like there's somebody that has been having intense nerve pain intense nerve pain like you used to have nerve pain and you've been healed and then all of a sudden there's like this intense flare-up of nerve pain and it's specifically on one side more than the other of your body. I'm not going to have you come up here, but just so we know, it might be online, but if the person is in this place, can you just raise up your hand if you've been having a lot of nerve? Amen, right up here. Jesus. Can we all just lift our, our hands towards Jimmy here? This guy wields his weapon of worship every Sunday through intense physical pain. And God, this warrior 
has been worshiping you and working hours and hours and hours to glorify your name through physical pain. And this morning we come together as your church and we believe for healing in the name of Jesus of all nerve pain, all nerve pain over Jimmy, my brother. Father, I would gladly stand in front of him and take that, but you did it for us. You did it for him. You are our intercessor at the right hand of the Father and you take our our prayers. God, we intercede for healing right now. For anybody watching online that is having nerve pain. Jesus, would you move? Holy Spirit, would you move? You you transcend all time and everything. It doesn't matter if that person is watching on the date this was recorded or a time a month in the future. God, you can your Holy Spirit can move and heal. You're the God of the universe. You are the creator of it all. We worship you in this place.
spirit like not just physical pain but there's even uh, as we were singing that song there's been memories or thoughts of people that you're like man I wonder how they're doing and they used to be uh, so on fire for the Lord can you just picture them in your spirit either that or, or say their name to the Lord and we're gonna sing this over them breathe on Bring us life, breathe on us, bring us life. Pour out your spirit, Lord. You bring the dead to life. Pour out your spirit, Lord. You bring the dead to life, whether it's addiction, whether it's physical pain, where it's just complacency. Pour out your spirit, pour out your spirit, oh. You bring the dead to life. Of 
This is how I fight my battle 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 This is how I fight my battles This is how I fight my battle Come on church let's do warfare This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. On my knees before the king. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. It may look like I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by you. It might look like I'm surrounded. I'm surrounded by you. Come on, sing it. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. 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 This is how I fight my sing in the presence of my enemies oh, I'm free to dance I'm free to sing because I'm ball with the price I'm ball with the price I'm free to dance I'm free to sing in the presence of my enemies oh, I'm free to dance I'm free to sing because I'm ball with the price this is how I fight my This is how I fight my battle. I texted Will and I said something like, hey, give me every song about battles that you got, because that's where we're going in our sermon today. And um, how many know Jesus is the victor? Amen. reminds us of that truth. We're reminded of that truth, that there really is no battle that's too big for God. Amen? Amen. Hey, I'm just so glad you're here to worship with us today. Turn around and high five somebody, all right, on your way to your seat, or a corona elbow touch, whatever you want to do.
Hi, I'm Jordan Beal, the lead pastor of Rock of Grace, and I have an exciting announcement to make today. There's been something that's been burning in my heart for almost 10 years called David University. In short, David U. This year, we're just going to start with the worship track, which is an apprenticeship that takes place every Thursday for just a few hours at our Cortland campus. If you complete the entire first year of David U, you're going to meet the requirements to be credentialed with the Assemblies of God. What's so cool is we are partnering with Ohio School of Ministry so that you can study there at our Cortland campus, allowing you to be credentialed after one year and enter ministry or even be licensed with the Assemblies of God after just two years. So what makes David U so special? When you participate with David U, you're going to be able to be mentored by people like Pastor Jordan Beal. Will Collins, Pastor Mark Beal, Pastor Justin Boyles, Pastor Ed Homer, and myself with our goal and purpose of pouring into you and helping you fulfill and determine the calling that God has placed on your life. We want you to learn the very things you are going to have to know when you enter part-time or full-time ministry. So that's sound, mixing, leading a band, using planning center, communication to a team, music theory, how to play by ear, leading multi-generational worship, piano basics. Now what's really cool, in addition to these practical things, you're going to learn about the heart of God. You're going to learn about the tabernacle of David, the tabernacle of Moses, and how all of these things in the Old Testament point us to the beauty and the revelation of Jesus Christ the Son. This is why David U exists. We are raising up ministry leaders, establishing God's kingdom in culture. If this resonates with you, if you have a passion in your heart to know Jesus like never before and to make him known, then David University might be the place, the ministry training program that you've been looking for. If you are interested in learning more about everything that's happening here at David U, you can email us at info at davidu.org. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? All right. It's a nice, brisk, cold day outside, but it's nice and warm in here. Praise God for heating. I know I am super thankful for that. My wife and I had a nice fire going last night because that was almost a necessity. When it hits like under 20 degrees, how many guys know there's nothing like a nice, warm fire just to keep you going? But if I've not had the honor of meeting you yet, my name is Pastor Dave Brock. I'm the executive pastor here at Rock of Grace, and I am so excited to be worshiping with you guys here every single week. This February, we're going to have our daddy-daughter dance. Now, I don't have a daughter, but maybe you do. Maybe one day God will bless me. I have my son over there, and he's four months old, and he is precious. And parents, I know you're all going to say your kid is the best looking, but mine is the best looking. If you haven't seen my son's eyes, you'll know what I'm talking about. But for those of you with daughters, on February 19th, we're going to be having our daddy-daughter dance. It's from 6 to 9 o'clock. It's $20 per person, but we do cap it at $60 because we recognize just because the Lord blessed you with many children doesn't mean 
mean that he blessed you with $20 per child over and over and over again. So we want to help you out there and create a memorable moment for you and your family. So you can register online at dance.rockofgrace.org. You can find the link on our website, on our Facebook, wherever you can find us. There'll be a link there. We would love for you to join everybody else here who's a dad and a daughter. And maybe your grandfather, you're welcome to do that. Uncle, you know, it doesn't have to be limited to just being that. If there's a special daughter in your life that somebody serves that, you are welcome to bring her and participate in this incredible event. And those of you who are teenagers, I also want to invite you to our Youth Winter Retreat that's going to be taking place at the end of February, February 26th through 27th. It's going to be awesome. It's $50 for the two days, which is such a steal. It's over at Big Oak Meadows. You get dropped off right there. You get picked up right there. It's going to be an incredible two days, a lot of fun, a lot of experiences, and I guarantee you that the Holy Spirit will meet you where you're at with each one of those things. And also, you saw in the video earlier something that we're starting called David U. Sure, for David University. As you saw a little bit of everything, and this is a great way for those of you who might be saying, I feel like God is calling to develop me into maybe a worship leader. Or maybe I know somebody that God is really just building that discipleship up. And David U is a great place to start. Say, I want to grow my skills. I want to grow my abilities. You can find out more information at davidu.org. We're starting in just a couple weeks, but this is just the beginning of what David U is going to be, and it's going to grow into something that we envision as an incredible ministry school for training not just worship leaders but pastors throughout Ohio and throughout Trumbull County so we continue to reach and transform Trumbull in the name of Jesus. But right now, I want to just remind you that if you call Rock of Grace your home or you feel that you want to give and contribute to everything that God is doing here, that you can give in three ways, super easy. The first one is in person. If you are here, you are in person. And you can give, we've got a box right over there in the back. You can just bring it right on over and just drop it in. Same thing if you have one of our Connect cards, you're updating your information, you can also throw it in that box. Or if you have the Rock of Grace app or on our website at rockofgrace.org, you can go right in there and you can give your ties directly there. And lastly is text messaging. Everybody loves texting. It's the easiest thing on God's green earth next to breathing. And you can just text that. All the instructions are right there on the screen. Right now we're going to pray for today's giving and for those who are joining us online who are also giving throughout the week. We're recurring that God continues to use that to further his kingdom. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all that you are and all that you can do with the things that we give back to you, the first fruits of our lives, that ties as offering, the giving, as we continue to put you first in our lives through finances, that you could use that and you can multiply that and you can use it in such incredible ways. God, that we just ask that you continue to bless each person that's giving faithfully, that you will allow us to see you at work inside of our lives as we continue to put you first and to honor you in all that we say, all that we do, and in all that we give. Be with us for the rest of this service, and in your name we pray. Amen. What if we truly understood stewardship? This idea that everything we have is not ours, but God's. How would that change our perspective? How much more careful would we be with what we've been given? How much more would we pray, asking God, the owner, what he would like us to do in each and every situation? The truth is one day we will all give an account to the master, a report on what we did with what we were given. Jesus made that clear. The question is, will he turn to you and say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy.
How many of you feel like God's been speaking to you during this Good Steward uh, series? Anybody? Craig? Pastor Craig? Pastor, Pastor Craig. Ooh, I'm telling you, sometimes I prophesy and I don't know, Craig. Uh, man, let me, let me ask you guys over here. How many of you guys have been having God speak to you during this series? Oh, awesome. So cool. Um, hey, just a couple, couple things I want to mention before we get into the sermon. Art, some of you have said, hey, what's that 10 cities thing I see out there? Or uh, I, I realize it's, it's been probably a good six weeks since I mentioned that. So forgive me. But I want to just remind you that we have this crazy idea that Jesus actually can transform an entire county, 202,000 people for Jesus. Does anybody else believe me on that? All right. So if you want to learn more about that, how you can get involved, where the heart of it is, uh, this is a nice little booklet on the Welcome Center. Just go out to the Welcome Center, the first thing on the far right. That will give you all the information. And of course, you can find that on our website too. Hey, before we begin our sermon, I kind of wanted to mention one of the kind of elephant in the room things I want to share super brief because uh, I have so much on my heart for the sermon. But I just want to share real quick on the election you know, of Joe Biden. Our role as Christians is what? To pray for him, right? So I know many of you are frustrated. You want to see justice. You want to see the unborn protected. You want to see marriage kept sacred. You want to see police valued. Me too. But it doesn't change what we learn from 2 Timothy, from, from Titus, from Romans, is that our role is to pray for them, pray for wisdom, pray for God to touch his heart. Amen? So can we do that? Can we just bow our heads and pray for our newly elected uh, administration? God, we come to you. Lord, despite all the craziness and all the chaos, we know that your spirit, your spirit, everybody just say that with me, your spirit, your spirit, God, can enter that White House even today, Lord. Even today, God, we say that today we pray, God, that Joe Biden, God, that the entire administration would suddenly feel your spirit. God, convicting them, drawing them in. Lord, the same things I prayed over every administration, I pray over this administration. Safety, wisdom, a conviction from your spirit for truth, a love for the word of God. We thank you for them, God, and we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I wanted to share what Will Collins posted, too. I love this. Will, where are you at? Are you in here? He's probably getting a coffee, slacker. Okay. No, I love this. He said, tonight at dinner, our family will pray for Joe Biden the same as we have prayed for President Trump, President Obama. And he said, of course, I'd be uh, lying if I said I'm confident the next administration will make decisions that better the lives of my children when they grow up, grow up. But I can't control their decisions. The Bible is clear about worrying about tomorrow in Matthew 6. What I can control is my response. I can be a witness of Jesus on social media. Can I get an amen? And for my kids, there is a way to stand for what I believe in, to not be upset or, or to be upset about some of the things in our nation, but to not sin in my response. And then Will said, if I sin in my response, how am I different from the world? I am not saying uh, that we do nothing. Of course, there are things you can do, but I am not saying um, there's nothing wrong. It makes me cry and makes me angry at the same time when I turn on news and basically told that because we, I voted conservative, or if, if some of you voted conservative, you may have felt this way, that you're told you're a terrorist. That is frustrating. It is hard, right? It is hard to be blamed or painted all in one thing. But I am saying I must be led by the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit control every emotion so I can glorify Jesus with my response. Can everybody say amen? 
So, Will, I love you, man. You just word things so well. Can you just thank Will? Give him a big, give him a big hands together, however you call that. So I want to do a quick recap. Now, every time I do a sermon series, the fourth week, um, I do a little bit longer recap uh, because I learned something I remember when I was teaching musicians right here on this stage. Uh, I would be teaching students, and I would notice if I would just go to the next thing, right, uh, a month later, they'd be like, what's that? What's a major chord? So what I try to do is I do a 30-second recap at the beginning of each sermon, and then the last sermon, about a 10-minute recap so we don't miss it. So let's recap. Here we go. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Number one, you don't own anything. Turn to your spouse and say, you don't own Jack. little improvisation of what I wrote down, but that's okay. You don't own anything. I'm going to move through these fast today, Ruth. They're a lot faster than normal, okay? God owns everything. If God made it and you have access to it, you are a steward. Everybody say steward. You are accountable to God for how you work with what God owns. How can I be a good steward is the question you should be asking. And I know that font is small. In, the, in the, about 10 minutes, the font's bigger. But I wanted to squeeze it in there for social media reasons too. But anyway, here we go. Make a choice to be reliably excellent. Make a choice to be faithful, which is to be reliably excellent. So what defines a good steward? What defines them? They are committed to being faithful. They're motivated by gratitude. They're rewarded by Jesus. Again, again, I know that it's unlikely that my church will remember 52 sermons and, you know, five subpoints in all those sermons. So what I'm trying to do is say in 12 months, we can hopefully remember these foundational things. So I'd like you, if you will, be so gracious as to repeat this after me, right? Say this with me. Committed to being faithful. Go back one, Ruth. Committed to faithful. Motivated by gratitude. Rewarded by Jesus. Who's got it? Say, I got it. All right. Now, I want to say this, though. How? Right? So I was praying about this. And it's one thing for me to just preach to you, hey, be thankful. Hey, read the word. Hey, see what God says. But I thought, how can we make this? Because I love answering the question of how. Well, here we go. Let me tell you. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked how. Thank you, Ray, for asking. I'm about to answer it. Okay. Focus on the gospel, not my needs. Seek wisdom. And here's the next slide. Seek wisdom. Right? I'm not a self-made man. I need the church. I need mentors. I need people in my life. Turn to the person in the row behind you. Say, I need you. I just realized you all talk to the back of the other person's head. I should have thought that through. My bad. Literally the entire congregation just was like, oh, fail. <laughs> I'm going to stick with the phrase, your neighbor. Okay. Seek wisdom. And, and thirdly, invest in eternity. Now, I know I'm moving fast today, but it's because I got a lot on my heart. Invest in eternity. It means I don't waste my time or my money on temporary things. Right? How? We focus on the gospel. We seek wisdom and we invest in eternity. So let's do a recap now of the last three weeks. Money. Who was here last week? We talked about money. Right? The, the, the cash. Money. Right? Here we go. Dollar bill. 
Focus on the gospel. How can I use my money to show God's grace? Well, I focus on the gospel, not my needs or my wants. I focus on the gospel. So if I focus on the gospel, I'm excited to support that missionary because the gospel is being preached. You, you follow what I'm saying? I focus on the gospel. How can my expression of this financial gift, how can me pre, even preparing a meal or taking somebody out to eat that's new in the church and I say, hey, let's go out to eat. I want to get your story and I pay for their meal. I'm showing the gospel. Amen? All right, number two, seeking wisdom, we said, right? So I need the church, I need mentors to figure out how to manage wealth, how to steward the money that God gives. Invest in eternity. I don't waste my money on temporary things. I give it away to be an expression of the Abrahamic blessing that Jesus allows to be fulfilled in my life. And it is a joy to give. In fact, we even said it's better to give than to receive, Right? I ask God, this is how we close the message. I ask God, what do you want me to do with your money? Right? Everybody say that phrase, your money. Now, how many will just be honest with me, just shake your heads that it takes a minute for you to realize it's not your money? Guys, I've I've been preaching this for years and it still takes me a minute. And I'm like, well, you mean my money? (laughs) No, his money. That's stewardship. That's the heart. That's what, we're, that's what God's trying to put into us this month. And then we talked, about, we talked about grace, right? That's how we opened up the series. That all of us are given different uh, amounts of money to steward, talents to steward, and seasons, but we're all given the same grace, right? We use the steward uh, parable of the guy who comes in the vineyard late at 5 p.m. as opposed to the one who comes in at 9. Same grace is given. Two weeks ago, we talked about seasons, We all enter new seasons of life. How many of you, you know, remember that day you got married? Everybody get married out there? Any married folks? Some of you are like, I don't know. She's she's right there. All right. All right. Let me rephrase that. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to re-ask it. And you're going to be really excited, Dennis. This time, you're not going to be reluctant. You're not going to be like, yeah, that happened. You're going to be like, yeah, she's the best. So let's try it again. How many of you have been married? Yes. You're no longer in the doghouse. Congratulations. Because a minute ago, Dennis was like, yeah, I also got pizza once, you know. So, okay. (laughs) Things to do. All right. No, you got married. Change. Then you had a baby. You brought this little human home. You're like, right? I don't even know that feeling. When you brought that baby home, you're like, what do I do to keep this thing alive? You know? That's a new season, and with it comes new challenges and less sleep. You all of a sudden have a new season. How many of you entered a new job before? And with that new job came new opportunities. That's what we said two weeks ago. We said a new job, a new season creates new opportunities to steward carefully those moments because those are moments and opportunities given to you by God. All right? Now, finally, we're going to get into today's sermon. I know, it was a long recap. Sorry, here we go. Today's sermon is different. It's unique. It's a little little strange. But I heard the Lord loud and clear say, I want you to talk to them about stewarding your battles. Stewarding your battles. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we are privileged and blessed 
to get to steward what you've given us. God, we are truly grateful. Lord, if there's any area of our life where we're ungrateful, forgive us, correct us. And God, today, as we, as we look at the story of David, God, as we look at these moments when you challenge us to be purified, our heart is open. Do what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen? So again, how the good steward lives is the good steward is focused on the gospel. The good steward seeks wisdom. You're not an island to yourself. All right? And you invest in eternity. You know this life is short. All right, so I've got a couple of points for you. Here we go. Number one, when it comes to your battle, people are not the enemy. They're the mission. People are not the enemy. They're the mission. Now, I want to tell you guys, I, every week I ask God, Lord, speak. And, and it is, I always say, you know, I've told Danielle, it is amazing because there's times on Wednesday, Thursday, I'm like starting stressing, right? Because I'm writing one thing, starting another sermon, and then, and then it's some little flow. I had never had such a flow like I had this week, so I know God has a word for you. So turn to your spouse, uh, your Uncle Joe, or that random person you've never seen before, and say, God has a word for you. Listen, I want to tell you something. People, in fact, let's read that words in red right there, okay? People are not the enemy. They are the mission. We can go home after that, right? How much more peace would our churches have across America if Christians would stop assassinating the body of Christ and instead going to prayer, asking God to bring healing and restoration? Amen? Most of your battles are fought in prayer. This is how you fight as a Christian, is you pray and you leave it up to God. Yes, there are battles in your life where you speak the truth in love, but it doesn't mean every day. You speak the truth in love, and then, you know, with that, with that relative, with that coworker, whatever, you speak the truth in love, and then you let it, then it's God's. And then you say, you know, it's out of my control, right? There's a lot of things out of your control, by the way, you need to stop trying to control. Philippians, look at the screen. Do all things. Everybody say all things. Do all things without grumbling or dispute. You would think 2020 had a theme. It was a do all things with grumbling. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'll leave that alone. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God. Now, when you know you're a child, you know the other person's your brother. I love that about the Bible. I love that about the Apostle Paul. So often he says, brothers and sisters. Because instantly that changes the conversation. You're not my enemy. You're my brother or my sister. Amen? Jesus knew this. How many times did he get ridiculed? Did he get mocked? Even attempted murder by the very people, and he would escape through the crowd. He was trying to save how many times did Jesus get reminded from the Holy Spirit, don't kill him today, I know you want to? I mean, seriously, have you ever read sometimes where the, the Pharisees say things to him and you just think he's just going to have like one of those like superhero moments, just lightning bolts, just out of his eyes, just snap him. I would have done that, Ray. It's a good thing you and me aren't Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Who said amen? Who said amen? Who's a good thing you're not? 
Stephanie, I'm calling you and Dennis out. Come on now. <laughs> People are the mission. Your enemy is not that person who disagrees with you. Satan is your enemy. People are the mission. They're not the enemy. Let God purify you through the people who seem to be causing the battle. Now, when I wrote that down, Holy Spirit said, read that again, that's for you. I'm like, no, I'm preaching to them. Holy Spirit said, no, you. Let God purify you in the midst of your battle. Don't waste your battle. How many went through some battles in 2020? The entire year was a battle for me, if I can just be ever so frank. Okay? It's a battle that we all face at unique times. And in those battles, they're unique to you. They're unique to me. Now, even though we kind of went through one globally, let's, let's be honest. Most of our battles, you know, they're very unique. Right? You're going to face things I'm not going to face. And I'm going to face things or have faced things you haven't faced. And so I have to steward them. That's my calling is to let God purify me. Because here's what I want to tell you. I've got some crazy news for you that might shake your doctrine today. Some Christians don't like this doctrine, but it is right there in the Bible. Is this. God sometimes leads you into a battle. Say, oh, no. God wants me to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. No, my friend. God cares more about your holiness than your happiness. He cares more about your eternity than your comfort here in this little thing called earth. Now, some of you might say, well, that, that is different from what you said last week. Last week you were talking about money and you said God wants to make you the head, not the tail, and not to be in debt your whole life. That's true. But guess what? What's also true? God sometimes lets you go through a battle, sometimes even a financial battle, just so you can come to your knees and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, and I need you to provide. You're the provider. I'm not the provider. He lets you go into, if you don't believe me, look at when Jesus, look at what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tested. It's extremely clear. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tested. Right? And so Jesus is our victor. Jesus is always our example. Right? So he goes and he goes in and he's tested. And we won't go through that whole text today, but I want to tell you something. God allows things like that to happen. That was the beginning of his ministry. You got to know when he came out, he was ready to minister because God always takes you through a time of brokenness right before your greatest ministry. Number two, the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Can we all say that in the red? The battle belongs to the Lord. I added a screen this morning, early this morning. I was going through my notes and I said, if the battle belongs to the Lord, why do we need to get revenge? How many know as a Christian, it is not your job to ever get revenge? I know what some of you are thinking, but it's fun. I have thumbs of fury. Come on, you know, I see some teenagers looking at me like, 
I just saw literally that whole row, that whole row. That spoke to you. I'm not going to point you out, my nephew, Luke, but that's okay. I'm not going to point you out. He goes, I was tempted this week. I was tempted this week. Just that little bit of sweet revenge. When you, and the Holy Spirit said, no. Take a deep breath. Turn your, turn your neighbor and say, take a deep breath. I know some of you are alarmed right now. You thought your pastor was perfect. I'm not. Heads up. I'm right there with you. Being sanctified, being purified. Thank you, Jesus. Did you just say amen again? Oh, my gosh. That's the second comment. I'm like, it's a good thing I'm not Jesus. She's like, amen. I said, your pastor's not perfect. She's like, I know that's true. Oh, you are so funny. I love you, Stephanie. I know. I love you. It's cool. It's cool. Here we go. That was perfect timing, though. Here we go. The battle. Have you guys ever, by the way, accidentally amen the wrong thing? Because you were really excited. I've had that happen to me where I said amen, and, and it was like, I didn't mean that. Can I retract that amen? You know? I, <laughs> anyway, here we go. The battle is the Lord's. How many times do we see this in Scripture? The battle is the Lord's. We see this in the life of Joshua, but I want to take you today to the life of David. David is like my personal hero. I was talking to the teens about David on Wednesday, and this is when God was changing my message uh, into, into Thursday afternoon. It was like, no, let's, let's go back to David. David is one of my personal heroes. He just is. No one else in the Bible is quite like David. He loves God passionately. He knows he's not perfect. The best part about David is he realizes that. The very thing Jesus said that's most important to have, a childlike heart. If you want the kingdom, you got to come like a child. This is what David had. This is what David had. He's sincere. He presumes nothing. Even when he's elevated as king, he looks around. Who can I bless? Who can I bring along with me into this journey? Speaking of who he is as leader, becoming king, how did he get to that place? David's a young shepherd boy. Many of you know the story. His older brothers are literally built for battle, right? They're all 6'4", six, 6'5", six, maybe 6'8". And David's one of the little guys. I know how he feels. Come on, somebody. Right. I was always that kid like, getting picked, you know, so some like dodgeball. I'm like, yeah, okay, you're not right. You're the last one. No, I'm just playing. Okay. So David decides, he realizes he's not like his brothers. He lacked physical strength, but he did have an innovative mind. We learn from Amos 6'5". 1 Chronicles 23, 5, 2 Chronicles 7, 6 and 2, and 2 Chronicles 29 all imply or clearly state that David created weapons and instruments. So he was a very creative young man. This is another one of the reasons why I love David. He's inventive. Now, David gets this crazy promise from the Lord we hear about in 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16, if you've got your Bibles. 1 Samuel 16. The prophet Samuel is coming to town. Now, you have to realize, this is, in that time, this is the most important guy. And people, like, would he would come to town and they would actually ask, do you come in peace or you, you know, because usually the prophet's coming to town. He has a word that's either a challenging, a call to repentance. But in this, this was not that. This was a moment when he was coming to anoint a new king of Israel. He had already told Saul, the anointing uh, has been removed from you because Saul had been too concerned with public worship instead of private obedience. That's a sermon for another day. But he comes up and he says, I'm looking to anoint 
anoint a new king. Jesse lines up all his sons and leaves David out in the field. Now, if you grew up and you felt some rejection, David knows how you feel. If you grew up and you were left out, David knows how you feel. How do we know this? Because even in Psalm 24 and 27, he says, the one thing I seek, the one thing I want the most is to dwell in the house of the God, to, a house of God, to gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life, even when my mother and father have forsaken me. You, O oh Lord, have never forsaken me. So you know David not only has a a father wound of rejection for 1 Samuel 16, but also from Psalm 27. So what happens? Jesse comes in, and Samuel looks at all the boys, and he, and he says, surely, God, this is the one. Surely, he's trained for battle. He looks courageous. He looks confident. He looks like a leader, right? He looks like a king. And Holy Spirit says, that's not the one. And he goes to the next one, surely, Eliab, surely this is the one. And the Holy Spirit says, that's not the one. You're looking on the outside. I look at the heart. And so Samuel has the audacity to say, did you forget a kid? <laughs> By the way, have any of your parents ever had that? I have. I may or may not have left a child here at a, re at a uh, outreach. Don't amen that again. Yeah, some of you know that story. We won't talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> my friend said, did you leave your children? I said, I was testing their faith. <laughs> Turned around. Okay. So he's, God sends him to find a new king. Don't you have, do you have another son? Because Samuel's going, I know the Holy Spirit told me to come here. But I'm not feeling the witness of the Spirit on any of these guys. Do you have another son? Oh, yeah, I have this one. But, you know, he's out there with the sheep. He's the ruddy one. We'll call him in. By, by the way, can you imagine the brothers? I just realized that. I've read the story a thousand times. Imagine the brothers had to go get David. <laughs> they want you. Who? They're looking for a new king. They don't want me. <laughs> you know? I never thought of that till just now. Anyway, so David comes in, right? He's got his sling. He's probably a little dirty. He comes in, and Samuel says, that's the one. That's the one who has a heart after me. He pours the oil, and it runs from his head all the way down to his feet. I feel the Holy Spirit just talking about it. He pours the oil, and he, and he anoints him to be king. Now, he's anointed before he's appointed, and you are too. When God has a plan for your life, there's always an anointing before it happens. There's always a season of testing first. So he's anointed, and then he goes back to the field, and he has to serve in faithfulness. But here's what happens, right? He's out there, and he hears about the battle that happening that we read about in 1 Samuel 17. He hears about the battle of uh, Goliath is taunting the people of Israel for 40 days. So that's, there's many pictures of Christ right here. This is just one of them. For 40 days, he's hearing the accuser of the brethren. For 40 days, he's hearing Goliath, right? And so David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's talking trash. Courtney, he's talking trash, right? He's like, who is this bozo, Right? define my God. It was very personal for him. Why was it personal? He knew God. 
He knew God as his friend and as his father. So it was very personal. And it should be personal for you. I'm saying that repeatedly. I'm pers- it should be personal for you. His faith was very real. So to have someone mocking his God made him upset. He said, I'm going to take him out. Right? And Saul says, well, then put on this armor. But guess what? It didn't fit. And he says, I can't go in this. I have to go in the strength that I have. So he takes a sling and a stone, and he comes at him. He comes at him. Right? You guys know the story. Now, when he's coming out, he's running out to the field. Guess what his brothers say? Go get me some cheese and crackers. Read it. That's what they say. Go get, where's your few sheep? Do you hear the sarcasm? That's what he says. They say, where are the few sheep that you're in charge of? Do you sense a little bit of uh, sarcasm, a little despondency, right? A little salt in the wound. But he knows he's not there to bring them a snack that day. (laughs) Come on. So he runs out at Goliath, right? He says, I don't come to you with this. I come to you in the spirit of the Lord, right? In the strength of the Lord. If God help me slay the giant and the bear, I'm about to slay you. And he knocks him down with a sling and a stone. Now, here's what I love about this story that I really want you to hear today. It says then, we're going to pick up our story. 1 Samuel 17 says, the Lord will deliver me. I lost my place because I was telling you the story so much. 45, verse 50. There it is. Here we go. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David ran over, stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of his sheath, which was very heavy. We'll read about, you read about that other place. And cut off his head. When the Philistine saw their champion was dead, they ran And the men of Israel rose up with a shout and chased the Philistines as far as Gath uh, and the gates of Ekron, and and it goes on. What Satan meant to kill you makes you more like Jesus. What Satan meant to destroy you is the very thing God will use to establish you. Let me say it again. The very thing Satan meant to destroy you is the thing that God will use to purify your heart, if you let it, and establish you, your relationship with him. You got to know David's trust in the Lord was deeper after that day. How many, amen, right? How many knew all the people of Israel saw, boy, that, that young guy, David, I can follow him. Using Goliath's sword, I want to say again, what Satan meant to destroy you, to kill you, God uses to make you more like Jesus. Come on, think about the cross. Satan said, I'm going to destroy Jesus with the cross. And Jesus said, you don't know. It's all in my plan. I'm actually dying for all the sins of mankind. 
and the thing that you think is going to destroy me is the tool that I'm using to actually bring victory to all people. Amen? Amen? David serves as a picture of Christ. To recap this whole ordeal, his family didn't believe in him. His nation was under threat. He was advised to serve outside of his gifting, but David knew his trust was in the Lord. He went out in the strength that God had given him. He knew it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by what? The Spirit of God. And he knew the Spirit of God had given him the courage to face Goliath that day. Now, here's the thing. His next battle would not be a giant with a sword, but a king with a spear. David had to serve Saul in the midst of Saul's jealous rage. You see, first David faced a battle within. Do I have the courage to go fight him? Do I have the courage to ignore the cynicism of my brothers? Now he faced a battle without. I am going to go, and he goes, and he kills Goliath, but now he faces another battle within. How am I going to honor this king who's throwing spears at me? See, you will face battles without and within. Everybody put a hand on your heart for a minute. You got to steward these battles carefully. Somebody will come against you at work, maybe a relative, maybe you get a windfall of money, and then there's a battle within. How many know most of your battles are right here? See, David faced this battle within Dealing with how am I going to honor King Saul. 1 Samuel 21 tells us David was fleeing for his life from King Saul and he stumbled upon a priest named Abilamech. David was starving because he left in a hurry. He didn't bring food or even his weapons. In his prophetic moment, the priest had no common bread, but only the bread of his presence from the tabernacle. So the priest gave David the holy bread and there was no bread there but the bread of presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread every day. When people have treated you unfairly, right, or lied about you or harmed your good name, God will give you the bread of his presence. I'm going to say that again. When people, when there's been battles, has anybody ever, come on, let's just be really honest. Raise your hand. Have you faced a battle and it seems like there's enemies, Right? Let me tell you one of the things that will sustain you, the bread of his presence. You see, David's running from his life, for his life, right? From a jealous king. And what sustains him? The bread of God's presence. You've got to be willing, you've got to be committed to being a good steward, no matter what's going on in the workplace, in the government, and you have to make the choice. You, yourself, it's your responsibility to be a good steward of that battle within. Because if you're not careful, that battle within will turn you uh, cynical. I read a great book last year called uh, I Never Saw It Coming. 
great book. And he talks about that. Carrie Newoff talks about when you face uh, obstacles, battles, whatever you want to call them, if you're not careful, then you'll, you'll become cynical. You say, well, then I'm not going to have a, a, another friend, whatever hurts you. Well, then I'm not going to uh, have another, another boss. I'm just going to quit. Well, then I'm not going to hire somebody. Because then you think, no. Let God use that to simply soften your heart and make you more dependent on the Holy Spirit's voice, more broken, more like Jesus. You see, if Satan can't destroy you using a battle without, he'll try to destroy you using a battle within. He's after your heart. God wants your heart. Satan wants you to trust in anything but God. Satan wants you to trust in anything but God. He wants you to trust uh, in your position, right? He wants you to trust in your money, in your own expertise. No, but like David, you got to put your trust in God and steward those battles. So 1 Samuel 24, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel 24 if you got the Bible app. I won't have this one on the screen. It tells us twice, I'm trying to sum up a lot in, in one uh, sermon here, so I'm gonna, I know I'm going quick. But twice, David's men tell him, try to convince him to kill Saul. Right? In fact, they even use Christian, Christianese. Has anybody, by the way, has anybody ever had someone use Christianese to tell you something stupid? I've had people do that to me. I've had people walk in my office and, and say Christianese. And then I'm like, but what you're saying is definitely not right. Right? So here's what they say. God has delivered him into your hands. You see, Saul comes in to go to the bathroom into the cave. It's the one cave David happens to be hiding in. And we think that's coincidence? No. There's a lot of caves in that, in that region. But God was testing David's heart. And there's this battle. There's this battle, Ray, because the king who's been trying to kill him is right there. And David's back here. Now, first of all, it's kind of funny. He's going to the bathroom. Let me, let's just state the obvious, right? Is anybody okay with stating the obvious? I mean, the dude's going to the bathroom, kind of embarrassing. And his friends are like, go kill him. This is your chance. God, God is telling you to. Oh, now there's a tension, right? Because... He's thankful for these men that are standing with him, but he knows deep in here it's not the right thing to do. He says, no, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. In other words, revenge is up to God, not to me. Why? The battle is the battle's the Lord's. It's not mine. Twice, twice David had the opportunity to get revenge, but he didn't. Why? The battle is the Lord's. Amen? The weapons meant to destroy you, God will use to make your relationship with him deeper, to establish you, to establish your kingdom, your identity in his work. When you focus on the gospel, your battle becomes not an obstacle, but an opportunity for God to do a miracle. When you focus on the gospel, 
when you focus on the gospel. Can we all read that second paragraph there on the right? When you focus, uh, or sorry, let me start over. When your focus is the gospel, your battle becomes an opportunity for God to work a miracle. Can we read it again? Because I don't want that to go too fast. Let's do it one more time. When your focus is the gospel, your battle becomes an opportunity for God to do a miracle. You see, some of you are in a battle and you're just mad about the battle. Right? You're just mad. And, and you're, you're not into the mode yet. And sometimes it takes time. How many know it takes time? Of God, what do you want to teach me? Is anybody else a little bit late learner sometimes? It's like months later. I'm like, God, what do you want to teach me in this? And God's like, I'm glad you finally asked. You've been pretty bitter for about three months. Just me? Right? Why? An opportunity for God to do a miracle in your life or for God to do something miracle in the area of a relationship? A financial miracle? What if God wants you to bless that very person who's given you problems? Right? Who knows? There's opportunities for miracles. I really feel the Holy Spirit keep telling me to keep saying that. I want to say it one more time. There are opportunities for miracles in the midst of your battle if you will stop and pay attention. But if you just stay mad, you're not stewarding the battle. That battle is in your hands. It's in your life in that moment. What are you going to do with it? I want you to make a note. We don't have time to read it today. But would you, would you note down Psalm 68? Psalm 68. I just want to read maybe the first three verses. I was going to read the whole chapter, but I just want to read the first three verses. God shall arise. His enemies will be scattered. Those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Just like Will, our Levite, was reminding you this morning, sing praises to God. And this is how we're going to close the sermon. Last point. Jesus is our victor. I know we learn a lot from David, but I don't want you to read First and Second Samuel 17 and go, I am David. No, you're not. See, this comes from my good Baptist brothers. I love, I, I read a lot. I don't stay in my little Pentecostal bubble because that can get you in trouble. Note to self, everybody. Everybody just go like this. You should have a little bit of a plethora, right, if you're, who you're listening to. And some of my Baptist brothers and, and sisters in ministry will remind us Pentecostals of this. You are not David. Jesus is David. Jesus is rejected by his brothers. Jesus comes out in the spirit of the Lord. Jesus kills the accuser of the brethren and brings victory to the very brothers who despised him. Come on, that's you and me. Jesus 
Jesus is that picture that David was pointing you to. Your goal as a Christian is not to behave, it's to behold. Your goal as a Christian is not to behave, it's to behold. One of my favorite quotes I've ever read this week came from Jared Wilson, one of my favorite songwriters and authors. The goal, the essence of the Christian message is not behave, it's behold. Behold the Lamb of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 3. I love this passage. I want you to stand on your feet. I just feel like you guys are about to worship with me here. Listen, I want to read this to you. I want to read this to you. It's one of my favorite passages. If you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me preach from 2 Corinthians 3 many times that we're transformed into his image. This is what life is all about. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. If the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory. Now, I want you to stop for a minute. Picture this. Moses literally had to have a veil. Y'all, what if I preach to you like this? A little awkward, right? No, not cool, Craig. You're ruining my illustration. <laughs> not cool. Everybody say not cool. <laughs> you were close, though. Not cool. Moses had to have a veil over his face because his head was glowing. Everybody say, that's a lot of glory, right? Now listen, I want you to think of that. If the former covenant came with such glory, the Israelites could not even look upon Moses' face. Will not the ministry of the Spirit bring more glory for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness far exceeds it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory. The law has no glory now, right? Why? Because the glory of Christ surpasses it. For what is being brought to an end, it came with glory, but how much more permanent this glory of Christ. Are you thankful for the glory of Christ? Since we have such a hope, we are bold. You see, some of you need to get more bold in the middle of your battle. Some of you are like David's brothers and you're just standing there. You're standing there and you're kind of afraid. Don't be afraid. You have nothing to fear. You know what one of my mentors told me one time in a, in a, in a sermon? is actually in his sermon. He said, when you go out to preach the gospel, if they, kill, if they, if they uh, cut your leg off, God will heal you. If they kill you, you're with Jesus. It's a win-win. Now you know what Brownsville was like for me, right? This is the glory of Jesus. The hope, the boldness that comes. He says, their minds were hardened for the, to this day, when they read the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ, everybody say only through Christ. By the way, I want to tell you something, only through Christ. Some of you are trying to convince people of things you're never going to convince them of because only through Christ the veil is lifted. Let me say that again. Some of you have battles you're facing and you're facing it in the flesh because only through Christ the veil is lifted. 
until Christ redeems them, that veil is there. They're going to stay ignorant. And, they, and it might, and I'm not saying that in a mean way. I'm saying that to help you. Don't fight flesh and blood. Don't sit there and try to convince them every day. Pray for them, speak the truth in love, but then ask God to what? Lift the veil so Christ, everybody say through Christ. With unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, we are being transformed into the same image. Wow. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Guys, you're going from glory to glory. Some of you say, Jordan, I don't feel like it. I'm in a battle. Trust me, you're going from glory to glory. Some of you say, oh, no, my emotions have not felt glorious lately. Listen to me. Listen to me. You're going from glory to to glory, if in the midst of that battle you say, God, protect my heart from becoming bitter. God, protect my mind from becoming cynical. Protect me, Lord. Purify me. Make me more concerned with being holy than happy. In those moments, you're going from glory to glory. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Guys, I'm trying to encourage you this morning. Turn to your neighbor or your spouse. Say, don't lose heart. We have denounced disgraceful ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. There's been a lot of people who've tampered with God's word, taken one verse to make it say what they wanted to say this year. So we'll leave that alone. But if that's you, let the Holy Spirit convict you right now. We refuse. Say, we refuse. Refuse to do that. No, instead, what do we do? We behold the Lamb. We're going to behold the Lamb. Because why? In beholding the Lamb, you start to worship. And when you start to worship, you become transformed into His image, which is the chief goal of man. The goal of your life is to give glory to God and become like Jesus, period. The goal of your life is to give glory to God and to become like Jesus. So would you just behold him right now? Before Will and the team even sing, I just want you to behold him. I just want you to raise your hands. I want you to understand that your opportunity, your greatest chance, the greatest thing you can do while you're breathing is to behold the Lamb. I want to tell you what John the Baptist says. He says, there's coming one that baptizes not in water, but in fire. In other words, changing you from the inside out, changing who you are. Come on, let him baptize you in fire this morning. The band's just going to play for a minute before we sing. I just feel that as you're going to behold him, some of you are going to experience him. Some of you are going to start to feel the presence of God. I can just feel right now God is doing some things. Come on, behold the lamb. We're not going to sing yet. We're just going to play. Lift it up a little bit, band. I want you guys to prophesy to the Lord on your instruments. Some of you sense, you don't even know what you sense. You just know you feel God is wanting to do something. 
God's doing something right now I can't even define. Come on, just lift up your hands, almost like higher than you've ever lifted them, almost as if to say, God, I really do. I really want to behold you. God, I really want to trust you with my life. I can't fight this battle on my own. I can't even fight this battle that's been in my heart, this thing I've been wrestling with, this thing I've had trouble trusting you in this area. God, I surrender. God, I'm gonna worship my way out of this battle. Come on, behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sins, who washes you clean, who restores your body, who renews your mind. Behold the Lamb. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Come on, say his name. Say Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He's the Rose of Sharon. Can you imagine him? He's got fire in his eyes. He's surrounded by a sea of glass. He's surrounded by angels who bow down before him. He's surrounded by 24 elders who lay their crown before him. This is the Lamb of God. This is Jesus, the one who takes away your sins, who renews your mind, who removes the guilt, who gives you peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He is Yeshua. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Great I Am. He's the Messiah. He's the Risen One. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the Anointed One. He's the Son of God. This is Jesus. Come on, say his name. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we bless you. We fix our eyes on you. We take our eyes off the battle. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the king, Lord. We worship you. We worship you. Jesus, you are Yeshua. Come on, just lift up your voices. I just feel God wants to hear you sing, guys. He wants to hear you sing. Jesus, you are the risen lamb. You are the one who takes away my sin, God. There is no one quite like you, Jesus. There is no one quite like you, Jesus. We lift our praises to you. No one quite like you, Lord. There is no one. There is no one like you, Lord. Go ahead, Will. You can lead us. Jesus. There is no one like the in the heavens or the earth, there is no one like the Lord. Oh, there is no one like the Lord. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord, seated on the throne. Oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty seated on the throne. God, we pray as we worship that your spirit would blow through not just this nation, but this building. 
If you're willing to be like David, to be a little foolish before the Lord, would you just open up your hands? Come on, there's no second service you got to worry about coming in right now. Just let your hands become like branches of a tree. You see, David said, I'm going to look even more undignified than this because my God is worthy of it. My God is worthy of my worship. I want to ask you right now, is Jesus worthy of you being worshipped in the midst of your battle? Come on, is Jesus worthy being worshipped in the midst of your battle? Let's worship him. us up, Lord. Mighty warriors who had died. Out of the ashes we will rise. Come on, let the Spirit of God rise up and breathe on us. Breathe on us, God. Bring us life. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Bring us life. Bring this army back to life. Raise them up, Lord. Mighty warriors who had died.
reach your hands towards TJ just in a form of agreement. God, I thank you for this warrior. God, I thank you for this warrior I feel that's been in a cave. TJ, there's been a season where you've been in a cave like David, and God says, I'm calling you out. God says, I'm calling you out of the cave. This is, you're a David to me. You've always loved me. God says, you've always been so faithful. You've been so faithful, and your heart is so pure like David. And God says, I am going to bless you. I'm going to bless you with some mighty men. I feel, listen, TJ, God says, I'm going to bless you with some mighty men. God says to you, TJ, you're a David and you're coming out of the cave and there's more with you coming out than went in. God said, there's more with you coming out than went in. You were in a season where you felt alone, uh, you, you were kind of confused about what was going on in, in life, and David felt that way too. He felt, why is that? 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 It's almost like my only peace is when I'm just alone with Jesus. And God says that's because God was doing something. God says, I was, I was forming in you the heart of David because you're going to have a life like David. And God brought you through some brokenness and some frustration because he was forming in you an even deeper dependence, an even deeper love, an even deeper intimacy where it's just you and him. It's almost like there's been so many moments, TJ, where you have shut out the world, the entire world. And even your wife, there's been times I even see, I even see there's been times it's almost like your wife knocked on the door right? And it's like, hey, this is me and Jesus time. And God says, there's going to be even more of that. Even more of just you, just David and God, just David and God, just TJ and God. But in this, in this time, you're entering a new season. You're coming out of the cave. You're coming out of the cave. And I want you to hear me. People are going to start trusting you. And it's not because of something you did to impress them or the, to, to dazzle them. It's because they see the anointing on your life. The same way David's mighty men looked upon David and they could say, there's something on his life. There's something that tells me he's trustworthy. You're coming into a season of great favor. I want to say great favor, TJ. Great favor and great uh, effectiveness in ministry. God, I thank you so much for TJ, my brother. I thank you, God. I thank you even for the season where he felt alone because in it, God, he found a new intimacy with you that he would not have found otherwise. Lord, like David, a friendship with you he could not have developed without brokenness. And I thank you for the mighty men. 
in particular, five or six men. I feel like even this week, TJ, you're going to be able to get a pen and paper and you're going to be able to list five or six men that you want to pour into. And I don't know how it's going to look. I don't know if it's going to be every month or every week. But I can see five or six men that even off the top of, even as I say it, you've got a name or two coming to your, to your mind. And those are mighty men. They look disgruntled right now, by the way. Don't misunderstand them. Because those men who joined David, they were disgruntled. But God formed them into mighty men. Mighty men who saved literally the nation of Israel. So God, I thank you for the mighty men that you're bringing to TJ. Thank you that he's stepping into a joy of his calling. A greater knowledge, a greater uh, at peace with his identity. A greater knowledge of, yeah, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. This is what brings me joy. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just encourage you as you leave today? Let worship be your weapon. Amen? Because the battle is the Lord's. People are not the enemy. They're the mission, and Jesus is the victor. Amen? God bless you. Have a great week.